Turn with me to Second Peter this morning. Praise the Lord. We're looking at one verse. Bless God this morning as we uh, continuing on the Spirit of God. Second Peter chapter one. The last I just want to review a little bit. The last uh, two weeks we spoke on speaking on the Holy Spirit. We had spoke about the Holy Spirit, the supply. The, the Bible says that that God gives us. Uh, all things through the supply of the Holy Spirit. Now, how many of you know you need supplies for all things in life, right? An office needs supplies, right? Uh, doctors need supplies. Hospitals need supplies. The military needs supplies, right? And uh, when you're in the military, you know, uh, one of the things that I did while I was in the military was I transported munitions, which is ammunition and and explosives and stuff to the to where it was needed now one of the main things that the enemy in the military one of the main things that is strategic in military operations is that when you're when you have an enemy out there and the first thing you want to do behind the scenes is there's strategists out there that that their whole sole focus is to find out where that, where the, those troops or those groups are getting supplies from and to cut the supply line. Because if you can cut the supply line, guess what? If somebody's on oxygen and, and they're on an oxygen tank and they're breathing and you go there and you pinch the two, the, the hose, what's gonna happen? <sighs> can't breathe, can't breathe, right? Why? Because the supply line has been pinched or cut off. And so the enemy in the in military, they look to cut off the supply line. And once they cut the supply line off, then what happens? Eventually, they start running out of food, ammunition, medical supplies. And what happens? They surrender or they're conquered, one or the other. God gives us a supply, a continual supply of from the Holy Spirit, all that we need to be victorious in our fights and battles against spirituality, against principalities, uh, principalities, powers, and, and spiritual wickedness in high places. We have a war to fight, but God said you're more than conquerors in Christ because God continually gives us a supply from heaven and God shows us ways to cut off the supplies of the enemy so that he goes down to defeat and we have the victory. Amen? So God gives you, every day, God is giving you a supply, a fresh supply of what you need. Now, how many of you know that if there's a, if there's a military unit in the field and the supply train comes or the supply truck comes or however the supply comes and they come with, uh, with just bread and the, 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 the sergeant, whoever says, well, we got plenty of bread. We needed bullets. We needed ammunition. We didn't need bread. Now, the wrong supply could be not good either, right? If you needed ammunition and they brought you bread, oh, hello, bread is nice, but I needed ammunition right now, right? Uh, Or if you got plenty of ammunition and you have no bread and they're bringing you more ammunition, okay, I can't eat bullets, all right? I need bread to, to sustain so I can fight. So the right supply is crucial. The right supply is necessary. Not that you just get a supply of stuff, but the right supply for the right time and the right purpose is needed and necessary. And so guess what? God knows what you're facing. 
He knows the battle you're in, the struggle you're in. He knows the mountain you that's before you. And so God brings in the right, not just the supply, but the right supply so that you have all that you need and is necessary to be more than a conqueror. That's why God Bible says when you go through the waters, you will not drown because God will bring you the supply, whatever you need. He'll, he'll bring you a, a water suit with a, you know, whatever. I'm just saying God will supply whatever it is that you need. And he always gives you the right thing. Amen. The right, the right wisdom, the right knowledge, the right understanding. He, he just gives you the, the, what you need for that time in your life. And so the supply of heaven is always on time and is always the right thing that you need when you need it. How many of you know that? What you need when you need is God's business and He supplies it to you when you're saying, Father, when you're in relationship with Him. And the Holy Spirit is, is your, you have an ear to hear the, what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. And God supplies all that you need for that time. In Second Peter today, Second Peter chapter uh, number one, and uh, if you if you looked with me at verse number ten, therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you, for as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. Uh, this is, for an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly. I like this, the, the way it's put here. For the entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. How many of you know that we're on a journey where? To the kingdom of God. We're in the kingdom of God, but we're on a journey to the, to the, to that place which will be forever, the new Jerusalem. And how many of you know God is preparing not just a party for you, a celebratory party. Yes, God rejoices over you. Oh yeah, what does the Bible say? There's more joy in heaven, more joy in heaven, more joy in heaven when one sinner what? Repents. There's a big celebration going on in heaven. God is a celebratory God. He loves to celebrate. You remember the prodigal son? Uh Uh-huh. Right? What happened with the prodigal son? He saw that son coming home, and what did he do? Just blow up a couple balloons here, get a couple party things. No. God says, go. And he he said, you know, prepare the best. I want everything. Get the fatted calf, everything. And and the Bible says there was dancing, and there was music, and dancing, and celebration. God rejoices when his son came, when the, the, when his son come home. God is rejoicing. God wants to see us, every one of us, on that day, walk through the, walk through that heavenly gate where we know there'll be no more death or no more dying. And you know what? God will celebrate, and this is so awesome. God will celebrate over each one of us individually. It's not just a group celebration. God celebrates over your life individually. Yes, He does. You're not just part of a group or part of a number. You're just a number in a, in a thing. God celebrates over you personally and individually. That's the God He is. He's a God who is personal with you. And that's the difference between 
our God, who is the only God, and anyone else who tries to make something or someone a God and is not personal, but our God is a personal. I've called you by name. I know the hairs on your head. The Bible throughout, from cover to cover, makes clear God is a personal God, and He will celebrate over your entrance into the kingdom of heaven personally. God will rejoice over you when He sees you coming in through that gate, through that doorway. And it says it's going to be an abundant God is a God of abundance. He doesn't skimp or save. God doesn't cut corners when he celebrates. Or in anything that God does, God doesn't get put through two nails where three nails should be. God does it just the way it's the best. I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. But what I'm saying, what I'm trying to get here... When someone comes, when a prisoner of war comes home, or when a soldier comes home, isn't there rejoicing over that soldier that comes home? And, and what? The family has a celebration for him. Well, they should. If they don't, shame on them. But someone, there should be a celebration, right? For that individual, whether it be a, a man or woman, it doesn't matter. If they serve, they should be celebrated in that. And so God says, on that day when we get there... God is going to celebrate abundantly over your life. And you know the joy that's going to be in you when, when that happens? And the Bible, Paul, you know, the Bible says, Peter, and all the, all these, all the Bible from Genesis to Revelation says that we should not forget this. We know it, but we need to be kept, be kept mindful of it over and over. It says because it's a something awesome and great and we can never make light of it and say, oh, just I'm going to walk into the, you know. No, you're not just going to walk in. You're going to be ushered in with celebration and great joy. Yes, you are. You're going to be ushered in with celebration and great joy. And guess what? It's not going to be 144,000. It's going to be whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord and is saved by the blood of the Lamb of Jesus Christ. The Lamb of God. Amen. And it says, wherefore, verse 12, wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, although you know them. Because and be because you know them and you are, be established, that you are established in the truth. Is he saying, not that you don't know them, you know them, but I got it's my I would be negligent if I didn't keep reminding you. Why do you keep saying the same thing? Why do you keep preaching the same thing? We know the blood, we know the heaven. Well, the Bible throughout is always to encourage, to remind you, never forget, always keep it fresh. Every day, we've got to understand we were purchased by the blood of Christ. God has called us to a holy living, a righteous walk, a godly life. God has a home in heaven for us. We've got to keep that before us and refresh in our minds. And that's what the apostles did when they went from church to church. They kept up the thing. Well, you got to be reminded. It's our job to remind you, to keep going, to remind and to remind. You just can't say something once and say, I got it, forget about it, I don't need to hear it again. That's a worldly attitude, a worldly mentality. Spiritual mentality, the way God wants us to, is that He keeps speaking to us and speaking to us. Why? Because our entrance into the kingdom of God on that day is more important 
than anything else. If we don't make it on that day through the gates, what have you lost? You lost everything. 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 Why? Because you didn't want to be reminded? Why? Because you just took things for granted? Hmm? The Bible says stay reminded. That's why we got to, that's why Jesus said, why did Jesus say, do this in remembrance of me? Why did Jesus sit down and say, make it the Last Supper? Why did he say to them, do this in remembrance of me? As often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. Jesus knows us. He's our creator. We need to be reminded. Why do we come to the table of, uh, of the Lord's Supper? Because we need to be reminded. We know he was crucified. We know he rose again. But we have to be reminded. We've got to refresh ourselves on things. Many times your computer, you got to reboot. You got to refresh. Otherwise it gets clogged down with everything else. And you got to reboot or refresh it so that, ah, there it is. Now it's running better. Now it's, you know, cleared up again. And so the Bible tells us that we need to be refreshed by hearing the Word of God all the time. It should be refreshing. It should be joy to hear the things again of, of the Lord. And so he says in verse 13, Yea, he says, uh, <clears throat> I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, this, this is the tabernacle he's talking about, the body, the flesh, as long as I'm in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. This is the second time he says it. I'm here to stir you up, to put things into remembrance. I know you know them. I know you're living them. But I still got to keep saying it to you again and again. I got to remind you. And they could have said enough already. But he kept saying it and saying it and saying it to them. And he, because he says, knowing that shortly I must put off this, my tabernacle, because once he leaves from his body and present with the Lord, he's not able then to encourage the brethren because he's not there physically. What did Paul say? I don't know if it's better if I should stay in this body or to be present with the Lord. If I'm present with the Lord, I can't be with you guys. And, and that's better than, <laughs> that's better. Being with the Lord is better than, being here, hello? But, he said, I'd rather be here because I'm, I love you, because I need to encourage you. And so Paul says, it's better to be with the Lord, but I think it's more profitable and beneficial that I stay here with you so that I can encourage you because I love you, I care about you. And so that's what Paul said. Ah, it's better. I know it's going to be, and I'm going to be there someday. So why, you know, why rush it? If, if, as long as the Lord can, can allow me to stay here with my brothers and sisters, I'll be an encouragement to them. I'll be, I'll be giving them to the, all that is needed to say, stay on course, stay focused on the Lord, walk with Jesus. Don't give up the faith. Don't, don't let go of that prize that is set before you. Keep looking at it. Keep focused on it. And it says that, the Bible says, you know, we're not going to go there, but it says if you do these things, you'll, you'll be kept. And what does it say? If you go look from verses 1 on, it's talking about loving God and loving your neighbor. Loving your brothers and sisters in the Lord. You can't escape. We can't escape the Word of God. The Word of God tells us over and over and over again that we are to love one another. This is above everything else. 
You can take doctrinal arguments and, and if that's going to divide and splinter you, then flush that stuff away. Because the Bible says that we are to love God with all that we are. We are to love Him. That Jesus Christ is a propitiation for our sins. He's the one who's redeemed us and saved us. By His blood I have been saved. And His word I will walk with and follow all the days of my life. The Bible says the two greatest commandments are to love God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And number two is just like it. To love your neighbor as yourself. If you read Peter, 2 Peter, 1 Peter, if you read John, as we're going to go look there, it's redundant. It's redundant. It means it keeps repeating itself over and over and over. And it's about loving your neighbor as yourself. If if we have not love, we have nothing. We're clanging bells and cymbals. We make a lot of noise. We look good, talk good, walk good, shake good, whatever good. But we're just a bunch of nothing if we have not love. And so the bottom line is to love God and love one another. And by loving one another, we're caring for one another. And so that's what he's saying here in 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 Second Peter. Second Peter chapter number 1. And so he just keeps saying that he goes over that. And now in verse number, in verse 20. First, Second Peter chapter 1 verse 20. Because he's encouraging them all to, to grow in Christ. To, to, to be diligent in seeking your relationship with God. Getting to know God. Loving God and to take a love for his word. You know, Peter, John, and Peter, and Paul, and every all the apostles, their desire is to take and embrace the Word of God and have a love for it, have a desire, have a hunger, have a thirst for God's Word. Jesus is the Word of God, and God's Word is all precious. He's the great physician. He's the great healer. He's the great provider. He's El Shaddai. He's all sufficient. His name is Jesus. In Jesus, all the Old Testament names of God have come together in Him because God, Jesus, is the fulfillment of all things. So all that God is, is seen in and through Christ and is manifested in and through Him. And so it's the Word of God. So in verse number 20, it says, But know, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. God didn't give, God didn't speak into men's lives just to, for them or to be a blessing for them. And it is not up to that person who has received the Word of God to go and make interpretation of what they think God is trying to say because they don't know what God is trying to say. That's why the scribes and the Pharisees, they took the law of Moses and they tried to interpret and think, this is what God is really trying to say. And so they came up with 613 other laws that they thought God was trying to say when God was not trying to say that because they don't have the mind of God. God spoke it unto men and God says, just speak what I tell you and bring it forth as I tell you and let me, let the Holy Spirit and the Word of God and me work to interpret it. But they didn't. They, they added onto it. That's why Jesus told them, 
You wait, you added burdens to these people. And that's why the Bible says, don't add or take away one jot or one tittle from the word of God. But God gave prophecies to men in verse number 21. For the prophecies came forth not in old time by the will of man. You know, that's what the world will love to tell you. That all these old prophets and whatever, they just imagined things. And they just concocted in their minds what they thought the people needed or wanted to hear or whatever. And so they weren't inspired by God. It just came out of their their minds. They were intelligent. They were knowledgeable. Or, or they got this idea somehow and then, no, God said that's not how it is. It didn't come from the mind of man. It didn't come from the from the desire of a man to say, okay, I'm going to bring forth these writings that is going to bless the people because I know how to bless the people. Let me tell you, no man knows how to be a blessing to people. Man will always come. Man eventually will will rise up and use his own intelligence or his own desires or his own feelings, whether they be good or bad, eventually they will come out and they will be a manipulative, abusive, controlling, and bring you death. The Bible says there's a way that seems right to man, but the end thereof is death. So the Bible says that prophecy, the Word of God, did not come. Prophecy is the Word of God. The Word of God came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God, meaning those who were seeking God, those who wanted to know God and were in relationship with Him. How many of you want to know God, more of God? Huh? If you want to know more of God, God is going to reveal to you more of who He is. The Bible says, draw nigh unto God, and God will draw nigh unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. But holy men of God spake, they didn't interpret, they spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. What does the word moved mean? Were they shaken all around, you know, and, and were they moved by the Holy Ghost? When it says that they were moved by the Holy Ghost, it wasn't that they, the Holy Ghost said, okay, pack up your bags, we're moving you from Berwick to Bloomsburg. They weren't moved that way. Moved means that, that the Holy Spirit revealed to them things that were beyond their human understanding or comprehension. That in the natural, in their humanness, they could not understand or, or know what was meant by what God was saying. But they were moved is that the Holy Spirit revealed to them, gave them the word of God that overwhelmed them and it was just beyond them. When you get something that is beyond you, overwhelms you, it, that's what the word moved means. That the word of God that came to them was so awesome, so wonderful that they were kind of like in awe of God and of this revelation. You look at John. When John was on the Isle of Patmos and he was given this revelation from God, he was like in awe. He didn't know. He just wrote what he saw. He couldn't explain it, but he just put into as it was. But he was moved. And so holy men, those who were wanting to know God, who were in right relationship with God, whose heart was right with God, God gave them and spoke to them by the Holy Ghost. So the Spirit of God, what was the function of the Holy Spirit even in the Scripture? That God brought forth the Word of God to us 
by the working and the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And so it's the Holy Spirit that brings the Word of God to us. And that's why Jesus says that when He comes, the Holy Spirit, He will remind you of all things that I have said. The Bible says, Jesus says that. The Holy Spirit, who from the beginning, the Holy Spirit who from the beginning brought forth the Word of God to men, is still bringing forth the Word of God to you and I in a way that we can understand it. You need understanding of God's Word? Hmm? Don't try to understand God's Word with your own human ability, but we need the Holy Spirit to teach us. The Bible says that there's, you will not need a man to teach you, but you will need, you will be taught by the Spirit of God. And so it's a, now it doesn't mean that there shouldn't be any teaching or preaching. That's not what it says. It means that there's no man is going to minister to you what the Word of God means. The Word of God can be preached to you, but it is the Holy Spirit who will bring the application of God's Word to you personally so that you may make a choice in your life to live for God and to obey the Word of God in your life. It's the Holy Spirit in you that teaches you what you need and how you need to understand it and know it for that day and that hour in your life. The Holy Spirit is practical. He's relevant to your everyday walk with God. And so as you walk with God each day, it's the Holy Spirit who takes the Word of God and brings it up in you and to you to help you see your way through the, the, the days of your life. Amen. In First John, go with me to First John. Chapter number 2, verse number 20. Verse John, chapter 2, 20. The King James goes, but you have an unction. What is an unction? That means anointing. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. Who is the Holy One? God. Father God is the Holy One. Jesus, well, Jesus is holy. The Holy Spirit is holy. The Godhead is holy. But when you're talking about the Holy One, you're talking about Father God. God is holy. He is a holy God. And it is God who is holy gave us His only begotten Son who was holy. And God who is holy poured out into our lives the Holy Spirit. God is holy. And therefore, everything that God is, everything that, uh, what, what, who God is and what He is, everything about God is holy. His Son is holy. His Holy, the Spirit of God is holy. Because why? Because God is holy. And so we have an unction, an anointing. An anointing means the ability, the power, to do, to be. And so the Bible says that God, uh, you have, but you. It says, but you. Meaning everyone. No exclusions, but you who are believers in Christ. If you believe on the Son of God. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that Savior and Lord. If you are a born again believer, you have an unction or you have an anointing on you. Meaning you have been empowered by a holy God. Empowered to do what? 
God has, a holy God has chosen by His grace and by His mercy, because you're His child now, you're part of who God is now. If How many of you know that if you're a new creation, you're in Christ? If you're in Christ, you're in a holy God. And if you're in Christ, that means God is beginning to work in us holiness, righteousness, goodness. God cannot allow us to continue putting our hands to the filth of this world if we are in Christ. Because when we are in Christ... The Bible says that we are to let go of the things of this world, now to put our hands to the things that are good and righteous and holy. Why? Because God who is holy is at work in us, making us holy. How? He gives us the uh, unction, He gives us the anointing, He gives us the power of the Holy Spirit in us, so that we may be holy. The Bible says, be ye holy, for I am holy. So it's a holy power of God coming into your life. And it's a power that comes into your life. A power that will help keep you holy. You know what the word holy means? Really? Separate from what God has defined as sin. What God has defined as unrighteousness. And so God gives us the unction, the anointing, and the power of His Holy Spirit, because He's holy God, and the power that is at work in us is the power of God that that enables us to separate ourselves from the things of this world that will defile us. Hello? And He gives us the power that we may be more than conquerors and overcomers of sin and unrighteousness, and the filth of this world. God's purpose of the Holy Spirit is manifold. There's many reasons, but the number one reason, the main reason that God gives us His Holy Spirit, because He's a holy God, and He looks at our lives and says, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Well, Lord, I can't do that on my own. God says, I know. That's why I give you my word and my Holy Spirit because He is the power of God, the unction of God, the anointing of God to allow you to live a righteous life, to walk a righteous road, to to have your mind transformed and renewed by the word of God. And the power of the Spirit of God comes in you. And it says, and ye know all things. Why? Because the Spirit of God is in you, the Word of God is in you, and that means that you understand the gospel message, that you were bought with a price, a precious price, that the blood of the Lamb of God has washed you clean, not so that we can go get filthy and dirty again, but so that God can help us to stay clean. And that you know all things, that you know, as, as we just read in the chapter be, uh, chapters before, that you know that there's an, uh, there's an abundant celebration waiting to usher you in to the kingdom of, to the, to the, to the, 
heaven itself because we are already part we are already parts and part we are in the kingdom of god now but the entrance into that everlasting heaven everlasting kingdom the new jerusalem where will be an ushering in over your life there will be there's a party being there's a cake i don't know a cake or whatever something already prepared in your name jesus said i've gone and prepared a place for you and so you know there, there's banners welcome home uh whatever whatever put your name on here welcome home blah, blah, blah. And it's going to be on the entrance gate to he- to the New Jerusalem. It's going to be on your mansion. It's going to be ah, it's going to be there. And so God says, "I've given you an unction from the Holy One to be able to live holy and righteous." But He explains what that means. That the greatest thing that the power of the unction of the Holy Spirit is is to be able to love God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all of your strength. And the second is the unction of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, is that you're able to love your neighbor. Those are the two main things. Everything else and anything else is down on the bottom of the list. Further down on the list. Which is a good list, not a bad list. But it's down on the list. The two things is to love God and to love your neighbor. And if we can't get that right, we've got to let go of everything else and say, I need to get my priorities straight and I need to see how is it that I can love God more today than I did yesterday. How is it I can love my neighbor more? Oh, help me, Lord. You know, and God does. He does. That's why He gives us the Holy Spirit. It's about love and holiness and righteousness. These are the things that matter to God. And in 1 John chapter 2, verse number 27, I'm just going to run through 1 John today. First uh, John Chapter 2, verse number 27. But the anointing, the power of the Holy Spirit, which you have received. Not that you will receive. You have received Him. Once you're born again. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm redundant. But again, we've got to get it. Once you're born again. Once, you're, once we are in Christ, we are children of God. We are in the kingdom of God. And therefore, Father God, who is our Father, our Daddy, He gives us the anointing, the unction of the Holy Spirit, so that we may start living as kingdom children, holy and righteous, seeking first the kingdom of God. And so you have received of Him, abideth in you, and you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing, anointing teacheth you of all things and is truth. The Holy Spirit, what does He want you to do? What is His folk? What is His primary thing? Through We've seen it through this study, and you see it through the Word of God. Everything the Holy Spirit does is to bring you to see Jesus for who He is, for what He's done, and what He's doing in your life. That He is the one who is your Savior and your Lord. He is your, He is the one making intercession for you in heaven. And He's not praying that you can go and do the things that you used to do. Hello? No. He's praying that you don't do the things that you used to do. He's praying that you now put your hands to the plow for the things of His kingdom, for the glory of His name, for His righteousness sake, for His name's sake. 
And so the power of the Holy Spirit comes in to let you see the price that was paid for your life, to see Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. The Holy Spirit makes Jesus alive to you and real to you like never before. He brings out the Father's love, the expanse of Father God's care for your life, and He brings to you the supply of all that is available in the heavenly kingdom of God unto you. And so that is why he's saying that we don't need a man to teach us because some men will start teaching you some strange and weird doctrines, but it is the Holy Spirit. How many? I know, because I know there's teachings out there about Jesus that say Jesus was never born in the flesh, that Jesus didn't was, wasn't born of a virgin, that Jesus didn't do this and Jesus didn't do that, and, and those are all abominations and lies of the devil. The Spirit of God will not teach you those things. The Spirit of God will teach you what the Word of God is true. Because the Spirit of God is truth. Truth. And the truth is that Jesus, the Son of God, was born of a virgin, became man, took on flesh, went to Calvary's cross, gave up his body and his blood, was shed for you, that you can become a new creation in Christ, and that he was went into the grave and on the third day he arose and ascended into heaven and he sits at the right hand of the God forevermore and one day the sky will open like a scroll and the son of man behold every eye will see him and there he will be the son of man word of God faithful and true will be on his vesture and he shall come in the clouds of glory hallelujah 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 and this is what the spirit of God stirs us to remember us to focus on. Look up for your redemption draweth nigh. This is what the Holy Spirit stirs us to. It's about your walk. It's about your talk. It's about the way you have a relationship with Father God. And the Holy Spirit stirs those things. Brings out Jesus like never before. Brings out the love of Father God. And it keeps you on that pathway to heaven. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. Don't let any man teach you otherwise concerning Jesus, Father God, or the Holy Spirit. There are men out there who will teach you don't need the Holy Spirit. You don't talk to the Holy Spirit. You don't walk with the Holy Spirit. You don't need the power of the Holy Spirit. Those men are abominations to the Word of God. I don't care who they are. I don't care what title they have or go by. They're abominations to the Word of God. The Word of God says God has given us His Holy Spirit. He's in us. He is the anointing and the power of God to transform our lives. To give us all that we need to walk with God and live with God 24-7. We cannot do it without the Holy Spirit. Because if we think we can, we're calling God a liar. And we're making light. We're mocking the, the Word of God. God forbid. God forbid. We need the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives as we see clearly from the Word of God. And so, in 1 John chapter 3, verse number 24. 1 John chapter 3, verse number 24. Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him. And he... and and, and Because the Bible says, keep whose commandments? The Word of God. John chapter 14, Jesus says that 
He who keeps my commandments, he who hears my words and does them, he who keeps my commandment, he it is that loves me. And he who loves me, Jesus says, will be loved of my Father. And it says, we will come to him and dwell with them and manifest ourselves to them. That's an awesome scripture. John chapter 14, 21. Write it down and go look it up and meditate on that verse. That says, if you do the words of God, if you listen to the teachings of God, and you do them, action, live them, action, how? By the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit. If you do those things, it means you love Jesus. If you do those things, if you walk in the power of the Word of God to do what Christ has taught, then you love God, you love Father. And it says, we will come to you and abide in you and manifest ourselves to you in wonderful ways, is what the Bible says. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he has given us. What is, again, what does the Spirit of God do inside of you? It makes you cry, Abba, Father, Daddy. The Holy Spirit confirms to you that God is in you, Christ is in you, that his love is in you. The Holy Spirit doesn't confirm to me that He's in you. He confirms to you that He is in you. That's the purpose of the Holy Spirit. To make you alive in Christ like never before. To make you cry, Abba, Father. The Holy Spirit doesn't come in you to make me cry, Abba, Father. The Holy Spirit comes in you to make you cry, Abba, Daddy, Father God. He's a personal God. He loves you. And so God puts into each and every one of us his anointing, his unction, the power of his Holy Spirit, that we might know that he abides in us. And in 1 John chapter 4, verse 2, two more scriptures, we're done. 1 John chapter 4, verse number 2. 1 John 4, verse 2. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Again, what is the work and purpose of the Holy Spirit? One of them also, he has many manifold purposes. One of them is to make Jesus properly known, rightly known to everyone who wants to know him. Because the name of Jesus is under attack and has been under attack from the beginning, from the day Jesus came on, from the day he was born and named Jesus. That name, the name of Jesus, was was sought after to destroy, to bury, to erase from the face of the earth. Herod tried to get him before he even could be born, before he even could be born. And when he was born, he was after him to try to catch him and put him to death so that the name of Jesus would be no more. And so the name of Jesus from from day one was been under assault. And that is why in this world, even this country, shame on this country, saying that you can't even say the name of Jesus in meetings, in prayer, in Congress, because it's an offense. My God, Father, have mercy on us. Father, have mercy on us. But it is the Holy Spirit who makes Jesus, exalt, who exalts our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, that makes him know, makes us know there is no other name. There is no other name given to man by which we are to be saved, but by the name of Jesus. And so man and men with all kinds of uh, disguises upon them. And by disguises I mean they disguise themselves in religiosity. 
They disguise, they disguise themselves with diplomas and doctrines and, and degrees and, and they disguise themselves and they start teaching heresy about Jesus. They start teaching error about Jesus. But the Holy Spirit comes into your life to keep you in the truth. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. So it doesn't matter what's being propagated outside the walls of your tabernacle. What matters is what's being said inside your heart by the Holy Spirit to you. As you open God's word, as you meditate on the scriptures and you say, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you abide in me and live in me. I thank you that you're my anointing, my power, and I thank you that you'll keep me in the truth of God's word. As long as you look to the Holy Spirit to give you and make that truth known to you, the Spirit, Holy Spirit will not lie to you. The Holy Spirit will not twist the scriptures because he has nothing. He is not on his own. He is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so he makes Jesus real to you. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And it says, and this is that of of he who is already in the world, the Antichrist. And you've heard he's coming and he's now already in the world. And it says in 1 John chapter 4, 13, one more scripture, John chapter 4, verse number 13. Again, by this we know we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And I want to challenge you to read, read John chapter 4, 1 John chapter 4. When you go home, read that. Because all the verses leading up to verse number 13 talks about loving God. Redundant again. Loving God and loving your neighbor. Loving God, loving your neighbor. The Bible says God loved us. First loved us. And if God loved us, we should love one another. And so you read it. Read the word of God. You can't get away from the word of God telling us that we are to love God and love our neighbor. Love God, love our neighbor. It's redundant. Over and over. Book by book. Chapter by chapter. Love God, love your, love God, love your neighbor. They go hand in hand. You can't separate the two. And it says, if you love, how can you say you love God if you hate your neighbor, the Bible says. How can you? We can. And how can we do that? Only by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we can do it because God gives us the power and anointing, the unction to be able to do it. So that's the good news. That's great news. That Lord, you've given me all the equipment I need to, to love you and to love my neighbor. And so Lord, I don't depend upon myself. I depend on your love. The Word of God, your beloved Son, Jesus, my Savior, my Lord, my God. And I thank you for the supply of heaven that comes to me to give me what I need to to love you more and to love my neighbor more. So God gives you the Holy Spirit in abundant supply. And he gives you so you so that we can love one another. And we're just going to end there. 1 John chapter 5, verse 6 and 7 says that he is the Spirit of truth. And so therefore again... He is the spirit of truth. Come into our lives to make the word of God so vibrant and alive in us. It's wonderful. It's good news. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is a wonderful uh, part of the Godhead. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Wonderful that he's in us. Jesus says, I go to be with the Father. But when I go, I will send the Holy Spirit, 
who will be with you always, forever. And until the day we walk through those gates, and we will, because we will be encouraging one another to keep the faith, keep the focus. Amen? To love God and love one another. As long as we do these things in the power of the Holy Spirit, we know one day we're going to walk through those doors and there is going to be waiting for you an abundant, extravagant celebration. You ever go to somebody's house and they make a big deal over you and say, oh, you didn't have to go through all this fuss. Huh? Well, God is going through a big fuss over your life. He's got something prepared in heaven for you that when you see it, you're going to say, wow, this is for me? Yes, because you are someone special to God. You are his son and you are his daughter that is on their way home. You're on your way home. And we're brothers and sisters in the Lord. And we got to say to each other, brother, you're going to make it. You're my brother. You're going to make it. I'm going to help you make sure that you make it. Sister, I'm going to make sure that you make it. And that's what love is. That's what true love is. To look at each other and say, brother, sister, we're going to make it home to Father God's house. Daddy's got a huge celebration waiting for you. Yeah. It's not according to what you've done. God is not going to celebrate you because of your works. Although they matter, what we, we should be doing things because we love Him and we want to. But its celebration isn't going to be based on the itinerary of what you did. The celebration is going to be based on one thing and one thing only. You are His son. You are His daughter. And that in itself is cause for an extravagant, abundant celebration. And that's why the Word of God has come to us. That's why we're always reminded of these things, because we're on that journey home, and let's take each other to task on our journey. Come on, brother. Keep the faith. Keep believing. Let's sing the praise and worship of our God and celebrate Him. Stand with me this morning.